welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is entrepreneur and Abraham Hicks fan, Louis D'Souza. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're going through a bit of a change here at LOA Today. Amy Blackford has decided to kind of take a step back. She's got so much going on in her life right now, so uh, she needed to cut back here or there. And one of those here or there's was here on LOA Today. But that's okay. We love the time that she was on. And uh, uh, we're already actually in the process of looking for somebody else to fill in the gap. And, and we've actually made some progress along those lines. Because, Louie, I actually put out onto the podcast last Thursday and Friday um, if, to see if there were anybody like you and Amy. Because the two of you were listeners who became co-hosts here on the show. And so I said, well, you know, that worked out pretty well. If there are any other listeners who might want to be able to do the same thing, reach out to me. And so far, I've had two listeners reach out to me. We haven't had our uh, in-person conversations yet, but uh, this is this is looking pretty good. And it's going to if it's two, that works out great because we have this opening here on Monday. And we also have an opening now on Tuesday. Dean McMurray also decided to take a step back. Um, so I'm looking for somebody to step in with me and Shelly on Tuesday. So already things are looking up. So not sure exactly how it's all going to iron out, but hey, you know, you ask and, and you receive, and that's the best part about it. The other best part about it is that we actually do have somebody sitting in with us because Louie's daughter, Isabel, is here enjoying a little time off from school. And I have to admit, Isabel, when you told me that you're still dealing with school at this time of year, I was a little surprised, but you also said that uh, you're about a week away from being away from school, so that's probably a good thing. But thank you for joining us today. How are you doing today? You're looking good. Uh, I'm good. How are you? Doing fine? Good. Okay. So thank you for coming on to the show. And uh, Louis, as you probably know, because we've briefly touched on it in the past, I'm in the middle of doing the Taya Boot Camp, the David Strickle program, and it's been a a, a bit of a roller coaster, shall we say, Uh I wanted to get your your take on a few things because I know you've done a lot of personal growth on your own over the years. And I just got, I kind of wanted to compare notes because I've been a little surprised, not totally surprised, but a little surprised at all of the gunk that I've been dredging up in this process. Uh, so that there have been times where all of a sudden I found myself diving deep down the spiral, as they say in Tyler. And basically going to really, real, really low vibes unexpectedly. And then later on, just kind of bouncing back up or sometimes actually being able to, to kind of pull myself up. And I was just wondering, with all the stuff that you've done over the years, all of the practices, all of the things you've tried out and so forth, did you have times where you were just going through like a roller coaster ride trying to kind of get a grasp on what was going on while you were doing it? Uh, so... If we talk about healing world, the answer would be yes. And it's words that I've used in the healing world, which is called a healing crisis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, for example, I've been working on my spine very consciously and heavily at one stage or the other. And from my wrist downwards on both hands and from my ankles downward on both feet, I just completely got a whole lot of, like, um, blisters kind of thing thousands of them thousands upon thousands of them wow. actually my whole hand blew up my whole foot, foot blew up and um, 
I didn't even bother going to the doctor. I knew this was a healing crisis because I increased mm. my energy by more than half. Wow. I was, feeling, I was feeling good, but I had all this gunk come out, as we call it. <clears throat> so that's the scientific term. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, you don't really know what to say to it. You take it to a doctor and you wouldn't know what to do. With <laughs> right, you know, exactly. Completely lost. Yeah. Um, he might find something in a book somewhere that says there's something similar, but all it is is it's really the body releasing something it didn't need or had been storing for a long period of time, mm. and you just get that relief and release. And I mean, I showed my my energy mentor, Carlis. I said, you know, look at this, um, because it was really quite. Um, it was very vivid. <laughs> it was very yeah. in face. <laughs> Very, very much so, and very unpleasant to walk and touch anything at the time. Mm. But, um, you know, I was in a place where I didn't have to go to work at the time and all the rest of it. So, you know, I, I just felt that incredible increase in energy, which literally, as far as I'm concerned, has never gone away. So I've kind of like had a 50% increase in energy from that day onwards. Wow. <clears throat> and, um, and, and then within three or four days, it just vanished completely. Um, and I've had many of those in different shapes and forms. That's probably the most vivid one I've had. Um, but they come up as you go through relief and release. Your your body sometimes, or your mind, or your emotions, or something needs to express them and get them out. Um, now, I never really went and dug and said, I'm going to work on my spine to have the, the healing crisis so that I can have the energy increase. None of that was visible. All mm. I was doing was focusing on what I wanted, which was, which was just to work on my spine because there were bits and pieces that were out of whack and, and not in alignment and all the rest of it. So I felt it very important to spend my time focusing on it. And then these things happened, these ripple effects happened, which I definitely consider in the energy healing world to be um, a healing crisis. Actually, I don't like the words anymore. I'm trying to think of a. I was thinking the other day what word I would prefer to use instead of healing crisis. Um, I hear you on that because trans- as I've been transitional phase. Um... Okay. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I, I, I've been uh, part of the, the tire practices. You also do journaling through most of the modules that you work your way through, and often I'm, I'm sitting there as I'm preparing to write something, saying, "Okay, how do I express this? This thing that just I just experienced." I mean, very often I do have the words for it, but sometimes it's like, I don't, there, there are no words to describe what I just went through. What was that? Mm-hmm. It's challenging. It's good for us, I in, think. In, in the healing not. world, they do use those words. Um, they're fairly common, healing crisis. Okay. But I just latched onto it because it's probably something somebody can relate to. Um, but in the sense, it is simply what I said it was and nothing, you know, you could put any, all different types of labels to it, but it's kind of the experience I had. Mm, yeah. When, when you're going through something like this, uh, at least speaking for myself, as I'm going through it and as I'm doing it in this tire group, because in, in tire you have a whole bunch of people who are doing it all at the same time. So there's there's like a, a commonality going on. Uh, right now there are three or four of us who all kind of enter the program at, at the exact same time. So we're pretty much moving them through the modules at the same rate. And it's really interesting to compare notes. Um, for instance, one of the uh, people who are in the program right now she posted about how she uh, had this really intense dream that happened uh, the night before, and it was a it was a dream that was so intense that it, it just felt like her whole body was being taken over by it. Um, she went into extensive detail about the whole thing, and, and it was like I think she was describing how em- uh, certain emotions were coming to her, and she was drowning in the emotions. I mean, just 
complete and total takeover. And then she comes through at the other end and is improved and you know is a stronger person and all that kind of thing. But I, I mean, I know I've been going through some pretty intense stuff, and then I read something like that and I think to myself, "What is this thing that we're doing here? <laughs> what have I gotten myself into?" <laughs> so, so generally, what you've got yourself into is taking your uh, let's use the word enlightenment for want of a better one, your enlightenment process and speeding it up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I long time ago decided that I wasn't going to consciously speed it up. I was going to be consistently focused on what I wanted, which will have its own natural organic amplification, um, which has the advantage of compound interest at the end, which really does, which I'm really starting to feel now, hugely, is just there's so much clarity going on and so much um, consistency and focus and enjoyment um, that <clears throat> um, I wouldn't dream of speeding anything up at the moment. <laughs> the idea of that would just be... You know, you'll take something that's really moving fast and, and take it into I don't know where <laughs> you'd go. But um, So there, there's many different ways of, of, of speeding up enlightenment, which kind of means more light in your life, which kind of means more clarity. Um, so none of it's wrong, you know. Everybody's done it in different ways at different times. So I'll give you an example. Um, Scientology, you've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, teach people to go through their emotional guidance scale, which has a hundred different points. And there's points below death and below birth, uh, above birth, etc. So they have a huge whack of, of different ones, and they teach the people to completely experience um, hate or completely experience frustration or completely experience bliss. And then they have to start moving just a little bit up or a little bit down on the scale, and then eventually they must be able to go from the highest to the lowest. So now you know why a lot of them are fairly good actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see exactly what you mean there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I met a Scientologist girl when I was just came to the UK. Um, I was staying in Acton, in a, in a house where two of the girls rocked up from a Scientology family. Mm. I was fascinated by this because I'd heard a lot about Scientology in South Africa from friends, etc. Mm. <clears throat> and these two girls could switch it off, switch it on, change in such a way that I was absolutely stunned. Mm. One minute they'd be crying, the next minute they'd be laughing. You know, they could change just like that. One minute they were in love with somebody, one minute they were out of love with them. It was incredible. I was really blown away, and I spoke to them, and I found out that their parents were both OCs. Now, an OC is like a relatively high-level teacher. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, so what I, what I started to understand when I came to Abram Hicks is they've got this guidance scale as well, but Abram doesn't say, you know, focus on, on just anger and then change it and all the rest of it, which Scientology does, which is a, is a process of speeding up the whole process. You must really get into anger, and they spend hours just getting you to really focus in on getting, perfecting one of them. 
Mm-hmm. And then they start moving you between them. So it's really, it's quite a long, arduous process, which you pay a lot for. I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> That's okay. We say all kinds of controversial things. That fits into a T. <clears throat> um, so, you know, it was really interesting to experience all that. Um, so, you know, in the, in the end of the day, if you are where you are experiencing what you're experiencing, you're in the right place. Mm. And if That's it feels too uncomfortable, up. you know exactly what you're going to do about it because you've learned to trust your emotional guidance scale. Um, and if it if it doesn't feel too good, you're just going to drop it. And if it feels great, you're going to continue. It's very simple. Well, one of the things that uh, they, they focus on with the Thai uh, practice is they, they start you off by helping you to identify what they call your transgressors, the top three root causes from early childhood of, of a lot of stuff that you're dealing with, things that are identified as this is stuff you need to work on. This is stuff you need to work through and find levels of appreciation that you hadn't found before and so forth. And in the process of doing these, uh, it's not like they're asking you to go through, well, go feel anger now, go feel rage, go feel joy, go feel, they're not doing anything like that. But what they are doing is encouraging you to dig into these transgressors. And as you do, stuff comes up. So for instance, over the weekend, um, I found myself waking up in the middle of the night feeling deep levels of resentment. And I wasn't really sure where it was coming from. I imagined it came from somewhere in this Taya thing because a lot of stuff has been coming up in Taya, but I couldn't really connect it to any one particular thing. I couldn't say it was, oh, I, I was uh, directly related to the first transgressor or the second transgressor or anything like that. But what I did notice is that I was getting a very distinct impression that I needed to just stay in it for a while. Just, you know, not try to move away from it, not try to move out of it. And and so I did, which was pretty miserable, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. I stuck it out. And that actually enabled me to go back to sleep. And when I woke up the next morning, I felt really good. Mm-hmm. So clearly I was going through a, like you call it a relief and release process. I was, I was releasing some, some old junk that was just kind of had been hanging around and, and now it was gone through that process of just, allowing myself to focus on something I normally wouldn't want to focus on. I mean, something comes along with lower vibe. I normally want to move out of it, but I got a very strong sense. Nope. I need to stay in it. So I did and came out of it, I guess, a, a stronger or healthier person. I'm not sure exactly how. So again, I'll ask you, have, have you gone through stuff like that where you found that, you know, you were being presented with some sort of emotional state that wasn't a really good one that you would normally choose, but you found yourself choosing to stay there anyway for some time. De- definitely. Um, I, <clears throat> sometimes you really want to be sad and miserable and you really want to wallow in it for a while. And I think all of us have really experienced that to some degree or another. Um, and you really want to stay there for a while. You really don't want to change. Um, and I, I, I think other people experience it too. I'm pretty sure they do. But, you know, it's just a, it's just a matter of it really feels good while you're there, you know. And often it's feeling good because you've come from a lower vibration to that vibration, even though that one is still negative. So you, you kind of just want to wallow in it for a while, and then slowly you're moving further and further up the scale, which feels even better and better. Because a lot of time when people are discussing the subject, they're talking about going from a negative to a positive emotion, and it's often not that. It's often going from depression to revenge, and from revenge to rage, and from mm. rage to frustration, frustration to anger. So... Um, Trying to understand it from the point of view of being negative emotion or positive emotion is often not valuable 
per se, except in relation to its contrast. <clears throat> a lot of people don't quite get that if I keep on touching my daughter on her shoulder like this, after a while I won't know I'm touching her because our temperatures will even out, etc., etc., and there'll be, no, um, there'll be no difference between her and I after a while. And then there's no perceivable difference. That's why um, lovemaking, for example, is a lot of movement. Mm. Because then you get the contrast all the time, you know, going around. Because if you all just sat still all the time, you wouldn't know where one started and where the other one ended. Mm-hmm. Because there's no contrast. So a lot of things in life are designed very specifically so that we play with contrast. Interesting also from my perspective that I found myself not comparing it, comparing that experience to another level of, of emotional feeling, but rather... I just kind of awoke into it, dealt with it, and fell asleep. So I can't say that there was any conscious intent to shift into or out of that level. To the contrary, I just kind of went with the flow, so to speak, and stayed there until I fell asleep. And so I'm wondering, what, how does that fit into what you were talking about in your mind, where you know, you're coming from perhaps a, a lower level vibration into, into that level and then, in a sense, enjoying that change? Um, run that by me again, Walt. I want to see if I'm clearly understanding it. Yeah, essentially I'm saying I don't have any recollection when I woke up of having come from another vibrational state, higher or lower, into that resentment state. I just woke up feeling resentful. I stayed there. I allowed myself to kind of enjoy is not the word I would pick. I, I, I was putting up with it in some sense, but I, I was not trying to climb out of it. I was not trying to move away from it. And then I went to sleep. Mud. I like the word wallowing. Wallowing in mud for a while, it's not, it's not that unpleasant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I guess I could say that I was feeling it, and at first I, I, was, I wanted to get out of it, and I, I got the sense that I, I should probably stay with it for a while and just kind of detune it, to use the Taya term. And in the process of the detuning, I could tell I, I was allowing myself to feel something I hadn't allowed myself to feel much of in the past. I was, I was allowing myself to be in that space and, and in so doing kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Negate the power of the vibration that had been hanging around in my, in my orbit for quite some time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, pushing something away is not an ideal concept. Mm, right. <clears throat> Striving towards where you want to go is the ideal concept. Um, But a lot of people... This is something I I told the guys in the sauna many years ago, so we went out for a meal with all the guys, and it was a lot of fun. And one (laughs) of the guys was saying, Louis, I remember you teaching me right in the beginning. He said, focus on what you want, not what you don't want. And he went like this to me. I'm trying to go to the screen, and he put his hands together around like this. And he says, it just pushes people away. It pushes all the negativity away. It keeps, you know, pushes against... All that stuff that, that, that normally hits you. And it mm-hmm. was really giving the idea that it pushed away. Mm-hmm. And the concept is flawed. You're not pushing anything away. What you're doing in truth, if you're doing it correctly, is you're tapping into that source energy that creates worlds inside you. There's no resistance, so it's flowing out, so it's automatically protecting you. Which is true, actually, now that I think about it, because so often a lot of these... Uh, so-called negative states that we experience are forms of protection, 
they're depending on how you want to describe it they're the subconscious mind protecting us from unwanted stuff um and it's it, it, it's a, a state that we often call um the comfort zone which is usually not terribly comfortable but we call it the comfort zone because we're it's familiar because we're used to it and so in that sense it's comfortable um so again it becomes it becomes a little bit muddy to use your term. It becomes muddy in terms of deciding, well, do I like this? Don't I like this? I'm not really sure, but I'm going to stay here for a bit. <laughs> I think the bottom line, Walt, is you want to make sure that you're moving into a, a higher vibration and that will feel good. Um, and what, what you temporarily play with in the short term, even if it is for days or weeks, that's still a short period of your life. Mm. Um, you know, it is what it is and it doesn't, I don't, don't give it too much thought because that'll obviously the universal law of attraction will take that thought and start amplifying it. So, mm -hmm. um, if you've got a clear idea where your goal is and where you want to go with this whole process, you've, you're not going to have any long, you're not going to have any problems or get stuck anywhere. You, that that clear goal through the law of attraction is going to suck you into that forward motion of where you want to go, and that is really. The way you keep yourself clear and clean through any process that anybody wants decides to, um, well, you you decide to put yourself through, but you know what I mean. Um, go right. Through, uh, just keep a clear vision of where you want to be and how you want to, where you want to go, and that alone by itself will speed up the whole process that you're going through. In any case, that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about it that way, and I, as you said, I realized that. A lot of the time that I've been doing this, I've been doing it with the idea of, okay, I'm just going to go with what comes. I'm going to be open to whatever comes. I'm not going to try to make it do anything. I'm just going to, I'm going to do the process the way that it's taught. And in, in adopting that viewpoint, very often I, I'm not thinking about what my ultimate goal is with, with the program, what it was I was trying to accomplish. But very often that's not even part of my, my conscious mind. So now I'm wondering, you, hmm, you, I wonder what happens so if I do that. Up in in the mire that you can't see the wood for the trees at that moment, yeah. Well, perhaps that, and I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the thought that you put out that if you are focused on what that goal is, things are going to move along faster. That, that's mm -hmm. an interesting concept. And it, it's also, well, it's also a, a little bit, um, not alarming, that sounds really, really, really like a big red flag. It's not alarming, it's more alerting, perhaps is the word, um, because I have already noticed lots of things, lots of experiences speeding up. There, last week was a lot of chaos, particularly with um, the business that I run for Louise. A lot of chaotic stuff was going on, and it seemed to be going faster and faster. Um, and it was uh, unnerving at first to deal with that, and then I came through that, and I was feeling better about the whole thing. Uh, David Strickle, who's this is his program, of course, he made the comment last week about how basically your stream keeps going faster and faster. Your connection with source energy keeps going faster and faster as you're doing this kind of stuff. And one of the things that he's noted is that, you know, we're dealing with contrast all day long. That's part of why we're here in this life. And all it takes is one little thing to kind of send you down the spiral and boom, you're, all of a sudden you're quickly down the spiral because everything's happening so fast. You also bounce back up a lot faster too. But that becomes part of the the, the the roller coaster experience, as I call it, where things you're being whipped around so fast, it's just it, it can be mind boggling. 
In my old spiritual world, we used to call that the razor's edge. Okay. As you climb up closer to the peak, it becomes sharper and sharper and sharper and easier to slide off on either side. <laughs> um, but understanding the law of attraction now, it's I've got a very different viewpoint on it all. And I, as you know, I'm extremely confident. And that confidence comes from being able to stay at the higher heights very confidently and without any equivocation because of really of the understanding of the law of attraction, understanding that you've built up the strong vibration of where you are and what you feel and where you're going, that it's very difficult for anything to knock you off that. Very difficult. You can mm -hmm. knock yourself off now and again by getting a bit frustrated and angry, but nobody else really seems to be able to do that to you. So mm -hmm. you still have the effect of getting knocked off, but it's more you are very consciously aware that you're doing it to yourself. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Isabel, have you ever had any experiences where you've had some negative emotion, you felt better, and things like that? Mm. Never. <laughs> I wouldn't say You're not that, human, sorry. None that, none that I can think of at the very you. second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the, of the things about uh, what we call the negative emotions. We don't we don't tend to memorize them most of the time. I mean, unless it's one that we really are very, 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 very familiar with, we don't tend to, to want to stay there very long. So I can't say I'm surprised, particularly. For someone at a young age like like Isabel is, I mean, you're just not going to dwell there unless it's basically in your face every single day. So that makes sense. the The idea of how it when when you become very confident to use your word, when you become so uh, so heavily experienced with being in the high vibe life that you can't really get knocked down. I I I think that's a fascinating way of, of looking at it. I also recognize at the same time, every time that we're getting knocked down, we're doing the knocking down anyway. And mm -hmm. we have a tendency as human beings to say, well, it, you know, that experience knocked me down. You know, it was last week with the gardening business that, that knocked me down. It was all that. But that it was really just us. On, that Walt, as my brother said on the beach um, on Saturday, um, he said not many people think that way. And that's true. You know, <laughs> you're, true. You're, you're ready and, and able and you're at that position to say, you know, I acknowledge that it, everything that happens in my life is, is, is because I allow it and because I'm, and I'm responsible. And not a lot of people are there. Not a lot. Not a huge amount. And, you know, over time, this becomes a very solid truth which becomes inequivocable. And, you know, you, you've faced it so many times, you realize that you are allowing this into your life. You are being affected because you let it in and you are you are responsible, and, and because of that, you've got the power to turn it off mm. and to stop it. So you, you, you come to that place of, you know, life's going to throw curveballs, but, you know, I've really learned how, how to quickly bounce back. And it doesn't matter which curveball and how many they throw, you know, I'm going to bounce back quicker and quicker. Um, along the way, things like have happened to Amy and I of having out-of-body experiences and mm -hmm. visions and blah, blah, blah. Um, a... A, a yogi master, what he would do to somebody who was starting to see people, who was starting to see auras and starting to see fairies and starting to see who's telling the truth and who's not at any moment in time, um, who's having out-of-body experiences and going to other worlds, etc., etc., 
these people would have, the master would simply change their vibration so that they would all stop because it's, it hinders you on the path of spiritual enlightenment. It's a hindrance. It gets in the way of your ultimate goal of becoming more unified with the source energy. It's very distracting and it can take you off and keep you there for centuries, forever. <laughs> it's, it's really incredibly powerful. Um, some people can still... And then after a while, when you become solid in the higher vibrations, the master would give those back to you. Then you can deal with them. So, <clears throat> um, what we're trying to point out here is there's a lot of things that can distract us on the on the path to getting to where we want to, and you know how we, where we would like to go. But it's uh, uh, it's 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 a journey that you can get thrown off at many different stages. And you know I've had different masters and things like that. So. What you realize is that you need to be able to completely and absolutely trust that individual you're putting your hands into. So you're advised in the beginning to test something like Abraham Hicks or the stream, etc., or my gurus, etc. You test them and test them until you're happy that they are taking you and they're, they're, they're where you want to go, basically, that, that you trust them. And there's a there's this not it's not a one way trust it's a it's a symbiotic relationship that goes on, um, and then when that happens, the master is in a position, or the higher vibration person is in a position, to share that next level with you to a far quicker, higher, and easier degree than you'd ever imagine. But first of all, needs to come to that really strong and clear bond between um, the teacher, master student. I mean, I've talked about master student quite a lot, but. <clears throat> it is a very important relationship, and it's not one um, that necessarily needs to last forever, first of all. Um, as you change, you may need to leave and change as well. Um, but for a certain period of time where you really want to go through your transition, it's very important whoever leads you or guides you, you have a complete symbiotic trust relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure how complete it needs to be. Perhaps it needs to be complete. I think of it more of... Do I trust that person or that leader enough to put my time and energy into whatever it is that person's leading me to? Because I feel like every step of the way, I, I still have 100% control. I, I, I still have the choice. You know, do I like, do, do, do I not like, do I, do I do this? Do I not do this? I mean, I, I'm completely in, in control every step of the way. So, um, it maybe has to do with, my own, I have my own issues about things like master and and guru and so forth. As I think you know perfectly well, <laughs> uh, just the, the the concepts just kind of rub me the wrong way. But uh, when I think about you know, the it's, fact it's a very simple philosophy. It's just some somebody who you believe can guide you further. Now, Abram Hicks would be yeah. considered to be a master to many, 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 many people. Mm. For example, um, and. Therefore, there's a kind of trust relationship that Abramix yeah. is able to help them, and as they believe that, so when they sit in the hot chair, things can move quicker and go through those kind of transitions, which you may be going through now in the stream, etc. Um, and 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 that is all it is. It's it's no different. You can use Guru from India to Abram Hicks to um, teacher at school, your art teacher, for example. You quite mm. like your art teacher. Well, yeah, I like Lucy. So, you know, you allow different people to guide you at different times in your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, the more there's that trust that goes on there, the, the faster and easier it is for them to impart 
their knowledge of art or whatever it is um, mm-hmm. quicker and easier. And it's it's not a, a complicated or or cultish thing unless you wish it to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. If we're cultish, I wouldn't uh, want to be a part of it, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, again, cultish is really in people's head most of the time. If you don't want to be part of cult, you just turn around and walk away. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really not too complicated. The, the difficulty is in your mind, you know. You know how long it took me to break away from Christianity? I do not. How long did it take? Long time. Did it? You know, my whole childhood, I wasn't that fond of it. Um, then when I started um, exploring the spiritual path from the age of about 20, I don't know, from about 18 to, to say, 27, plus before I left South Africa, um, I still hadn't fully managed to uh, remove the influences. And I don't really want to use the word remove or focus clearly enough on what I believed and where I was going that the, that the influences of Christianity weren't there anymore. That's the more accurate way of putting it. Um, but it took me a long time, many, many years, to to have that inbred, inculcated uh, belief structure from your childhood removed um, to the degree to which it doesn't have that kind of effect on you anymore. I can easily now go into a Catholic church without any hesitation, without any problem, and see and respect it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know you've passed it. If you go in there with any trepidation, regret, fear, worry, or distortion, then you know you haven't passed it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's what the stream calls uh, appreciation, particularly if it was something that you felt was a, a negative influence earlier on in your life, yeah. getting to the point where you now appreciate it and you, yes. you, don't, you don't really think of it yes. in terms of all those negative terms anymore. Now it's just, oh, yes, well, there's value in there and here's what the value is, A, B, C, D. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. at the time I needed it. That's interesting. You, you actually needed it. Against what I didn't want. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked about that one before. I mean, that's a basic Abraham concept. You, you start off with identifying what you don't want. You knew pretty well what you didn't want. I, I kind of knew the same thing, actually, where Christianity was concerned. Um, and you're right. It could take a while to figure out what you do want instead. Because I went through a long period of time where I didn't have a good substitution for it. I mean, I, I knew I didn't like that, but... I didn't, I, I certainly con- did not consider myself to be spiritual for the longest time. For the longest time, I would have said I was either an atheist or, a, or an agnostic with, with no mm-hmm. real spiritual sense at all. Um, and I mean, uh, I, I brought Isabel up in, in a spiritual path that I was following mm-hmm. and she, she really enjoyed it and she was having fun. And then she started having less and less fun and we started having arguments getting there and in the car and all the rest of it. And then eventually I said to her, if you don't want to go, don't go. So mm-hmm. I go. And I said, that's fine, it's game over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was quite a few years ago. So, um, you know, I gave her the choice, as I wish I kind of was given that choice. Um, but it's, it's as you become more enlightened, you start realizing that life is the school, contrast is the teacher. Yes. You don't need to go to any group. You've got enough contrast right where you are right now, you know. It's, I did like it there. You did enjoy it. Absolutely. But at the start, but then when I got a bit older, it just... It fell apart for you uh, for yeah. numerous different reasons. Um, but again, you know, if she ever wants to take it up again or not mm-hmm. or whatever, it's now her choice and she'll be making it consciously and because she wants to. And then it'll work for her. And until, you know, and if you push and pull a child in a belief structure, it's not going to go anywhere. 
Well, or or it's going to lead them into a, a, a place that they really don't want to be, a, a place of feeling trapped or controlled or something along that line. Which means they'll break out of it, which means they will leave whatever you gave them in the beginning. Um, right. Eventually, yeah. And I think part I of said to my daughters and family, you know, argue with me as much as you want, disagree with me as much as you want. You know, but don't disagree for disagreement's sake. Just disagree because you've got some logical, clear reason why you disagree, and then we can discuss it. Everything's on the table. Nothing's off the table. From sex to race to religion and all those ones that are taboo or anything in between, <laughs> you know, talk about it, and then we will take it from wherever it is and move it forward. Um, so, yeah, not, not a lot of people have a strong enough belief to be able to do that, though. So therefore, they're holding on to something that they're not quite sure about, and they can't uh, defend, support, um, encourage, or help people with it. And that is why I actually think religion in the old days was actually quite valuable, because it gave people a focus and a direction. These days, they're sitting there with this huge variety of different f theories, philosophies, and beliefs, and they're not quite sure which one they should jump on. And, and when you get somebody who's really confident in them, you can... You can toss these people around like leaves in a wind because they're not sure about where they're going. Not sure about where they're going and, and not sure what what they want out of it once they get there. Exactly. There's no clear philosophical concept of um, direction in their lives. Um, there may be very clear business ones. There might be very clear financial ones. Mm -hmm. There may be very clear in certain areas. But, you know, I, I was always thrown as a kid, you know, eight years old, Mom, why, what is truth, love, and God really about? And she's saying, huh? How do I answer that? You know, <laughs> and realizing that I was not going to get the answer from my parents. You know, why people don't get the basics right. It's like building a house on air. You know, it's not going to be very stable. Um, you, you really want a solid foundation. And if you don't understand why you're here and where you're going, which would be my, my raison d'etre for as long as I remember, you know, then and you got to, haven't got a clear idea about all that, then, then you really are floating. Um, you, you might have lots of solid areas, but essentially you're floating. You're not really knowing who you are, where you're going. I think it describes a lot of people um, and their experience in, in life, no doubt about that. That that kind of, you call it floating, I, I would call it aimless. Like, not really knowing where, what, what you want, where you're going, how you're going to get there, uh, what it's going to be like once you get there. Just, just I, I think it's where a lot of the, the victim mindset comes from. It comes from, well, I don't really know where I'm going, so somebody else will tell me and then I can complain about it. <laughs> Yes, I can complain about it. I love that. <laughs> well, isn't that what it is with the victim mindset? You know, who who can I blame for what's going on in my life right now? I got to blame somebody. So you know, that's that's the mindset. Yeah, I mean, it's been very interesting. My brother brought up uh, a concept to me, which I've never heard of. I'm sure you're quite aware of it in America, maybe something called critical race theory. Which oh yeah, it's a big topic right either, now. You're either uh, controlled, or you you're a controller, or you're controlled, and there's nothing in between. The one thing you're that I, I, I or you're an oppressor, or, or whatever the words they're using. W w without getting into the details of, of that, because I'm not 
I don't, I'm not really interested in trying to bring that up as a major topic. But the one thing I can tell you is that if you talk to 10 people about what critical race theory is, you'll get 10 different answers. Different answers. <laughs> Nobody but can again, seem to agree on it. <laughs> but again, if anybody's got uh, an idea of, of that, philosophically it's so flawed, you don't even know where to begin. So are you an oppressor or are you oppressed? Okay, you're an oppressed. All right, so what, what do you want to become? An oppressor? Oh, you want to stay oppressed? I don't know. What do you want? Where are you going from there? I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. Where are you going from there? You want to become an oppressor? No. So do you want to stay oppressed? No. So there must be something else. It's not just the two. The philosophy is completely flawed. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? I don't know. It just seems a bit flawed, the philosophy to me. So, um, you know, and you get a lot of these philosophies out there that are, that are, are focused on just that kind of contrast. And it's just stark in your face. Where do you want to go? Um, and then they want you to pick camps. <laughs> How do you pick camps? Sometimes you're oppressor in one in one second of the day. Sometimes the next day you're the oppressed. And it changes all the time. It's, it's, you know, if you want to look at it from a very basic level, it's always like that. Parents are often dominating or controlling their children. And children are often um, um, being oppressed. And vice versa, when they become parents, it's, it reverses and all the rest of it. So, And during the day, there's times when you oppress me all the time. Mind to my daughter again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Isabel's looking at it like, what she are you talking about? She bullies me around the place, and she does. Um, so, you know, the, the whole theory is really weird. Um, it's, it's not a very sound philosophical conversation if somebody says that's what critical race theory is. I don't know, you know. You know, I'd love somebody to come on and explain to me what it is. I'd love to have a chat with them any day, any time, <laughs> anywhere. Because um, to be enlightened about all this would be interesting. But, uh, you know. Well, certainly, I think there's value. I definitely don't in understand it as, as it is at the moment. I really don't. <laughs> and apparently there's no need for you to it at this point. If there was, you would be, no, I know who you are. I know the kind of person you are. You would dive right in if there was a need. You just, there's no need. So you don't really go no, further if there's I mean, no need. <laughs> I'm sure I could see their point of view and my point of view at the same time. And, 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 and I could even, I could even help them become clear about what they believe, you know. Mm. Um, it, it wouldn't be an issue for me. You know, I don't mind where they're coming from or what they're saying. It's just as a better. Um, and I always bringing my children up to have that own self-worth, so own self-belief. Um, and I wanted to see if any of this kind of information was at my daughter's school, and uh, it didn't really seem to be from my understanding. But um, What information? Uh, critical race theory, if that's being taught in the UK. I'm pretty what sure is it is. Critical? Yes, this is a story. As I say, they, uh, it's a group of people from which I have very shortly and briefly being described is you're either an oppressor or you're an oppressed. That means you're either bullying somebody or somebody's bullying you. Ah. There's no in-between and that's game over and that's just what it is. So um, I just wanted to see if any of that was being taught because I was just curious, you know. Is that actually taught in the UK at the moment? And from what I see from 99% of all classes, I think the closest book we found was Noughts and Crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And that's about where uh, a black individual has a relationship with a white individual or something, vice versa. Mm. Um, 
and uh, that's it. So, yeah. What what I found with all the different theories that are out there, and why I've left virtually all of them behind, is there's a common thread, and I think it's 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 a thread that is also shared with anything that is a victimhood type um, position or fear or theory or whatever you might want to call it, which is it's in direct contrast to what I would call radical personal responsibility, the idea that I am a uh, I am personally responsible for everything that comes into my life because that's what the law of attraction tells me. I mean, mm-hmm. Literally, whatever I give my attention to, um, I'm going to get more of that kind of thing in my life, something of a similar vibration because I'm giving my attention to it. So literally, everything in my life, no matter what I see, no matter what I experience, I attracted it in some way. And that's the personal, the, the radical part of the personal responsibility, recognizing that even if it's the stuff I didn't like, even if it was the stuff that I thought somebody was trying to shove down my throat, I still attracted it. I still attracted it in some way, shape, manner, or form, which is a tough concept. Let's be perfectly blunt. That is not a concept that most people find easy to swallow. Um, even many people who become interested in law of attraction theory have trouble with it. I've had yeah. conversations with people who believed in everything about law of attraction, except that they, they knew it wasn't true that you, uh, if somebody attacked you, you attracted the attack. Mm. Just it just wasn't part of it for them. And interestingly enough, I, I've kind of kept track of people like that who I have had interactions with. And a, a very interesting thing happens about them, or I should say with them. Uh, and I'm going to use a term that is apparently a, a relatively new term that I'm, I'm still learning. Ghosting, basically, where somebody stops paying attention, somebody stops responding to you and all that kind of thing. They, they're ghosting. And they, they don't seem to just ghost me. They ghost entire communities. They disappear. Mm. They just disappear entire. It's almost like they fell off the face of the earth, which is a very strange thing. Well, but nevertheless, when, you, when think, you're surrounded by people that never blame anybody else um, and you want to blame, you can't remain in that vibration anymore, can you? You have to go find true. someone who agrees with that. Yeah. The universal law of attraction will bring another universe of people around them. Mm-hmm. Yep. that are in agreement with their belief structure, and so it'll go. Right. It's, 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 it's fascinating how powerful and accurate the law of attraction will do that to the degree that you feel ghosting is going on, but it's not. It's just the universal law of attraction bringing in the cooperative components so that they can play their game. You know? I think you're right. I think that's exactly what's going on. I, the ghosting, I think, is a way of describing what the experience seems like. What it feels yeah, like yeah. to be, you know, you, yeah. from my perspective, it's like, oh my goodness, they just kind of disappeared. Vanished into thin air. I can even mention, I, I won't mention any names, but I can even say that there is at least one former co-host who falls into that category. Somebody who was on the show for quite some time, gave some really great insights and so forth, and is now gone. Just completely gone from Anything, I mean, I've literally tried looking for this person. I can't find this person. Just can't find this person anywhere. Just amazing to me. Just like disappeared, gone. <laughs> and, and it's very similar to your partners as well. <clears throat> as you change a lot and your partner doesn't, a natural form of ghosting will happen. A natural mm. form of law of attraction change will happen. You'll start bringing in a different universe of people. Uh, is one of the reasons why I don't believe in a partner for life. Yes, you do get lucky, maybe like me at the moment, 
where my partner is changing with me all the time and has been right from the, the ideal end. relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I'm highly aware that we may spin off in different directions at, other, at a later stage. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily going to go on forever. <laughs> um, I know what you mean. But you start understanding that that's just how it is. If the desire to be together is strong enough, then we will find a matching way of vibrating you waking at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it isn't, then you, you know, you're just going to attract a different universe of people and places and family members that kind of love you and then they don't love you anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds awful the way you say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's such a level of detachment in me that you know, even if my own children... Um, would tend to want to hate me. It's really their issue. You know, it's it's just you know whatever they're going to do, and they're going to attract a different bunch of people, and they will start going away from me. That reminds me of Eloise whenever she screams, <laughs> "I hate you!" multiple times, but then the next day she's giving you hugs like twenty four seven. Yeah, it doesn't happen often, but it's interesting when it does happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's far more volatile than you. And she's very different. It's so different to me. Um, Isabel is one of the most calm young ladies I've ever met. I mean, you, literally, you, nothing seems to ruffle you. Now, I, I only have seen you here on the show for you know, a few hours total. But I just get the impression you are just even keeled all the time. Not all the time, but... <laughs> Walking. You can push my buttons. I can push anybody's buttons. <laughs> <laughs> that we know. We know that for a fact. We have a lot of experience. We know that for a fact. We've got the t-shirt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but I'd only do it with one reason in mind if I'm ever pushing buttons. Um, there's a lady in the energy class who... I pushed her buttons for years and years, and now she's my best friend. <laughs> she only really <laughs> wants to work with me, etc. But it's, it's, it's been a, such a convert, you know, such a contrasting um, relationship in the beginning. And I only ever did it to help her see things. And eventually, she did see clearer and clearer that all I was doing was pushing her buttons to show her she had buttons, and there was no other real reason for it. And then eventually, the buttons vanished, and then there were no buttons anymore, and the person, the individual changed so drastically, and it's beautifully, and, and, and I love it. We have such a great relationship now. It's, it's incredible. And if when you get to the level of clarity um, and, and focus and, 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 and tension, <clears throat> you need to bring along a level of sweetness with it. Mm. And I'm specifically using the word sweetness instead of any other one. Um, I heard it. Somebody mentioned it recently, and I dived on it, and I'll never let it go. You've got to bring a level of sweetness along. And it, it's really a compassion for the person and their position and their place where they're at at that moment in time. And if, if you can do that, then it's fine to have the real clear intellect. If you can't do that, you cut people up. You cut them into pieces. So, you know, you learn as you go along, you really need to bring that lot of sweetness along. <laughs> bring the lollipop jar with you, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think what, you, when, when you do what, you call, what you're describing as sweetness, I would call that kindness. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of really like the word sweetness instead of all the other words, as I said. It's just something about it that feels more accurate. But, um, mm. 
you know, anybody can replace it with whatever they want and feels better to them. Uh, but the important thing to understand is that the yogis understood that there's different ways for different people to grow spiritually. For me, it's been oh. quite clearly a clarity path. All right? And for other people, it's a devotion path. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's um, just doing your duty, uh, which there's a specific word in yoga for <coughs> Dharma yoga, I think. Um, so you've got different ways, there's many different ways to, to grow. And I think the yogis have got six, 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 six different ways, six main different ways that different people will need to go down. And, and I've come to realize clearly which one of those yogic paths is mine, and I'm not that clear about all the others. Um, but it's important for people to know that they don't only need to go down the route that I'm going down, that there yes. are other paths to get to a similar state, um, but in a different way. For myself, from my own perspective, I would say there's an infinite number of paths, and that mm. each person could have their own set, infinite set that's different from the next person's infinite set. There's literally not, I mean, yeah, I suppose you can do whatever you want. You can, you can just say there are six different paths in a broad way of speaking. I mean, you, you can draw all kinds of lines like that, but I honestly think that there's, there are really no limits. I completely limits. agree with you, Walt. Um, and I can also see why somebody would want to say there's six paths because saying there's an infinite number kind of makes it very difficult for anybody to go down any one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I understand why people do say there's the seven laws of attraction or the 20 laws That's of attraction right. or the 100 laws of attraction <laughs> or laws of the universe. Laws use. of the universe. You know, there's, there's, how many yeah. books have you read that have all got a different number to them? You know, oh, yes. It's just amusing. I think it just describes where that person is coming from, which I think is useful. I mean, it's one of the ways that we're able to kind of latch on and, and appreciate what it is that they're trying to tell us. What, what, it's, what are the, the, the lessons, so to speak, that we can get from them? What's, what's the information we can get from them? Just because they're sharing their way of understanding, their way of, of walking their own path, whatever that path may be. Um, interesting, you mentioned the idea of, of being overwhelmed by the number of potential paths if they're infinite. It's kind of like the complaint some people have about supermarkets. You walk into a supermarket and you're, you're looking at tuna and there's 25,000 versions of tuna on there. And like, which yeah, one do you, do you go with? Potatoes is my, my bugbear. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I and just want a potato. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I solved that problem for myself fairly early just by picking one. I, I realized it didn't make a whole lot of difference. Just try one, see what it's like. If you like that one, great. If you don't like it, try another one. Yeah, but um, tomorrow that one's not there. That potato's not there anymore. Yeah, that drives Louise crazy. She she just she'll every every once in a while, like you know, three or four times a, a month, she'll she'll point up uh, point out some product that used to exist that no longer exists, and it just kind of flipped her world upside down. And, and I I appreciate where she's coming from. And by the same token, I think, well, yeah, but there's still a, an infinite number of others that do the same thing. Why do I care? <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. So. I guess it's a big deal if you say it's a big deal, mm. right? It if is, you say it's not a big deal, it's not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something like that happened to me. Uh, I went to Tesco's or some mom had got this nice cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I really liked it. Then mm-hmm. I said to buy it again when she went there, I wasn't there. Like 
maybe two or so weeks later, maybe three, I went to Tesco's with a friend and I saw the cheese and I got very excited. Ah. So she used the universal law of attraction to place her at a time and place when it was on the shelf available <laughs> and she could get it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that is a skill. Which is um, a skill, once you start learning out of way, it happens more and more and more often. Right. Um, it's just incredible how often those, those things start falling in place. Um, and you love their cheese. You're so passionate about it. <laughs> it's very, very hot. They've got some like, real chilies in there. Whoa! I came home and I was like, I found the cheese. Cheese, yeah, you were so excited. <laughs> Daisy was so disappointed when she saw I was so excited <laughs> and it was about cheese. <clears throat> yes, I understand exactly what you mean. And and Louise does very much the same thing too. Every once in a while she kind of remembers her own ability to create and puts out there, I want, you know, I, I want this X, whatever this X thing is that I used to be able to get. And then she finds it online, something like, or, or you know, something like that. It, it appears in her orbit in a way that it didn't appear before. Um, and when she, this is the really interesting thing. When she celebrates it, she's conti- she continues to be able to get it. And then there are other times when she doesn't really celebrate it, and then it goes away again. <laughs> so once again, she can't find the thing that she was looking for and complains about it. And I'm sure I have my own things that I do that that's very similar, but it's interesting to see it in somebody else. It, it's so much easier to see stuff in your in somebody else than it is to see it in yourself. I'm sure you've noticed that too. When <clears throat> when you start seeing things for what they are, Walt, without this is the way I now understand it, without your psychological drama, mm. then it's very much easier for you to choose the next thing. Sure. Because you're just seeing it as it is. Mm-hmm. So let's say a... <clears throat> um, Just trying to think of many, many issues that humans have. Um, take anyone. Give me, give me an issue a human has. Um, not enjoying their job. Not enjoying the job. So <clears throat> you've got a history of what you believe your bosses have done and don't do, and all the rest of it that goes to with you trying to look at what your job is at the moment. That's your psychological drama mm-hmm. in a relationship. But Men are always acting like this. A woman are always acting like that is a psychological drama instead of just Mm -hmm. seeing that person who they are at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it goes on and on and on. You can take uh, race, you can take sex, you can take um, genders, you can take anything, you know. And Mm -hmm. you've got this whole psychological drama. What do you think gays are? What do you think? Uh, a racist is, what do you think a, a non-racist is, what do you think, you know, and you've got the whole psychological drama that goes with it, you know, a racist would probably bring up ideas of policemen on necks, you know, um, and <laughs> yeah. certain names which would be going around, you know, instead of just seeing this is the situation that is in front of me at the moment, this is what it is, how do I react, because I'm now free to react without the psychological drama that's going on around you, so... That is, that is a place which people will often say, well, you can't cut off your past and you can't ignore it, and you, but you can get spiritually to a place where you can, where you don't carry that with you in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can. That's very and true. It really helps you make choices. 
it's a good place to draw to a close. But uh, first of all, Isabel, thanks for sitting in, and we love the uh, contributions you made. So thank you for that as well. I hope that uh, your last week's term goes smoothly and that you can just dive into the joys of summer. So I'm sure you're looking yeah, forward hopefully. to that. I'm sure you will. We're looking forward in the UK world to lockdown being abandoned in, comp- in mm. pretty much its entirety at the moment, which is coming up soon. Hopefully, no, they, didn't they say they would stop the bubbles? Yeah, stop everything pretty much, almost everything, well, not almost. You know, when it comes to different countries, they still have to have certain rules, and there's still certain rules in hospitals and nursing homes, etc. So they, 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 there are certain places they're going to have some, but a lot, a lot of them are going to be removed, and we're all very excited about that. <laughs> That is a very exciting thing, no doubt about it. So, all right. Well, then, thank you very much uh, for a very interesting conversation. I look forward to having another one next week. And in the meantime, I'll say thank you to all of our live stream and and podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, everyone.